Good morning, everybody. Welcome to OP Radio. In case this is your first time here, this is a weekly show that we host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. UTC on anything and everything related to the optimism ecosystem. So thank you for joining us once again today. And we've got another great episode lined up for you. We have one of the OG OP protocols here with us today, some members from the Synthetics DAO. So I'm really excited and looking forward to some big news they have to share. But before we let them introduce themselves, I would like to allow my colleague, the DeFi general, Mr. Smith himself, to introduce himself. Hey, Smith, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah, thanks, Mac. Yeah, I'm Smith. I lead the DeFi team at Optimism. Little known fact that I guess maybe even Matt and a FIFA aren't aware of, but I used to work at a market making firm, traded on chain or off chain derivatives, specifically for the perpetual space on the top exchanges at the time, so Bitmax, Finex, and whatnot. So this is a really interesting protocol to me. I've been following it since even before Optimism. So I'm really excited to be talking to these guys today. Me as well. And for folks listening, my name is Mac, by the way. I'm the host of OP Radio, but Smith is really going to be leading and guiding this conversation because he is definitely the subject matter expert on all things DeFi. So without further ado, I'm going to allow our guests today to introduce themselves. Awesome. Yeah, I can go first. Thanks for having us here. I'm excited to chat with you guys today. So I'm Afif. I'm a contributor with the Synthetics Protocol, mostly focused on kind of like product and mechanism design type stuff that's probably enough of an intro of let mac give his intro now yep awesome happy to be here as well it's always nice chatting with the optimism folks especially on twitter spaces yeah i'm adam also a core contributor at synthetics handle comms marketing and i help out a little bit on the uh the partnership side as well yeah that should, should be a good enough intro on on my side too awesome thanks for that guys so let's start out with really broad strokes. I'm just going to tee this up, and, I, and then I think Smith's going to take over for the most part. What is synthetics? So yeah, so what is synthetics? So it's a, it's like a, like that question itself. You know, you could have a really long answer because synthetics is kind of like one of the handful of like prehistoric, I would say, DeFi protocols, right? Like has has contracts that were written before there was really any standard way of writing these sorts of things. You know, staking rewards that soul is like the most forked contract in DeFi. But uh, unlike some of the other like prehistoric DeFi protocols, like synthetics has changed a lot from what it was at the beginning, right? Like so, kind of like some of the really really old DeFi protocols. You have like MakerDAO, or you know even Aave before it was e- after you know it was Eflund. Like they kind of are still in the same more or less space. But synthetics has really pivoted a lot, you know, through this kind of like last five years or so. So initially, you know, payments protocol pivoted to synthetic assets and then now like kind of just gradually i would say generalizing more and more over time right so like different fiat pegged stable coins is a form of synthetic assets but then later later in 2018 2019 that kind of moved from when it was called haven when it was just doing fiat pegged stable coins to synthetics which is generalized synthetic assets and then like really like it's further kind of generalized from there now and then as we move towards V3, of kind of just being a generalized like protocol for any type of derivative contract or instrument on chain. So I would say that's probably the most succinct way to describe it. And then I expect during this call, we'll kind of get into some of the like specific ways it, it, it tries to achieve that in more detail. Very nice. Matt, is there anything you'd like to, to add on to that? 
No, I think I think Afif does a does a very good job to explaining the what is synthetics question. It, it it definitely is a very complex one. People that have been around synthetics for a while have definitely seen that transition unfold before their eyes. Yeah, especially as you know, people have seen a transition from this like initial stablecoin protocol as Haven. Then you see it be like a front end facing protocol for synth exchangers. And now, as as Afif said, you've entered this more generalized, you know, liquidity provisioning tool. Cool. And yeah, just to jump in here, I wanted to let the audience know a bit more about maybe what you guys have been focusing on so far. I know we, we date back to the Haven days, and there's a lot of history when it comes to synthetics. But what kind of assets do you guys focus on these days? Oh, yeah, let's just go through that very basically first. And then I'd like to even learn a little bit about how the protocol works more on like, I guess, we'll keep it as digestible as possible. But yeah, let's just go through like, the basics of what synthetics today offers to users, and then we can go into how the protocol itself works, maybe on a little bit of a light technical level. Yeah, sure. So like, I, I, I would say probably in terms of popularity right now of what synthetics offers, it seems like the, the perpetual futures product, it seems to be the one that users like the most. There's like a few others, there's like spot, you know, spot sends that don't have leverage and are more, you know, transportable, composable, you can carry them around in different wallets. And then there's loans and other types of synthetic instruments. But yeah, I would say perpetual futures is the most popular. And then within that segment, like crypto, crypto assets are by far the most used, right? It seems like that's what there's the most demand for. And that's what the users really want the most. Yeah, I know that. And I think we'll get into perpetual futures in a second as well. So why don't we go a little bit into the protocols? So I know there's like this entire black box of they're sticking to collateralize the network. You can provide unlimited liquidity for trading, all this kind of stuff. But what's actually going on underneath the hood so that people can feel comfortable with, okay, my money is safe or things are going okay. Because there's always like a bad debt problem in crypto and DeFi in general. So walk us through how people are protected in the synthetic system. Yeah, so that's actually, that's a really good question for how like somebody who is staking SNX is connected to somebody who's trading with a perpetual futures contract, right? So kind of the way we look at it is that like the perpetual futures markets, you can kind of look at them as like this own, as their own entity. And basically like they're accepting SUSD, which is synthetics as, you know, native USD stablecoin. And they basically just accept and emit SUSD. Um, and they have some logic inside them and some data structure that keeps track of, you know, positions and leverage and funding and make sure, you know, accounts are liquidated and all that sort of stuff. But so the perpetual futures markets are just a data structure that accepts and emits SUSD. And if they, on balance, you know, are, are accepting more SUSD than they're emitting, then they're, you know, they're basically, you could say that those markets are profitable. But then what happens to that profit? Or, you know, in the other case, if they're emitting more than they're accepting, it's, it's a loss. It's basically tack, tacked on to the debt positions of people who stake SNX. So when you, so that, that's like another whole kind of like calculation to think about. When you stake SNX, you basically borrow some SUSD at like a really conservative collateralization ratio. And then basically your debt, the amount of debt that you owe to, that you have to pay back your position fluctuates with the performance of these other markets that are basically adding and subtracting to your debt. And for perps in, the, in all of last year, like they were very much subtractive for people's debt. So everybody's debt was going down over time 
as a result of the existence of these perpetual futures markets. Yeah, no, really well said. I, I think there's a lot of information here and I'd love for people to go and check out like the details when they're free, if they would like to go deeper into this, because there's a lot here. So yeah, thank you for giving like a brief overview of what that was. Yeah, I think just Let, a, just a quick ahead, one, Matt. Smith, just while, while these things are, are kind of confusing when you think about them at like a, like a system wide level, the, the staker experience that, you know, we've, well, at least like the synthetics community and synthetics has tried to build has made that a lot easier through like, you know, one click hedging tools and, and, and things like that to where you, you don't have to worry about the day to day fluctuations of your debt. And instead, you know, you know, we've, we've worked with folks like D hedge and Toros finance and such to, to like automate that process. So someone can just stake, take their SUSD, have it automatically hedged based on, you know, perpetual future market performance and spot sense and all the other products. And, you know, they, they can reap the benefits of staking outside of, you know, this, this more complex side of synthetics. So yeah, just, just want to hop in with that. So people know that it's that, you know, you're not having to constantly monitor all these, you know, all these fluctuations by yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think this is like the best way to introduce people to synthetics as a protocol because derivatives on chain are very different than derivatives off chain, right? So having these tools so that people don't worry, have to worry about it, abstracting away all these little details, a very necessary thing to do in this space. I think I've been managing like my SNX staking position for like over like a couple of years now. And I've never used any of like the extra tools like DHedge and whatnot because I'm, I'm very active with it, but many people would like a lot of that to be abstracted away. So yeah, thanks for going through that, Matt. I want to change gears a little bit and talk about synthetics and how it differs from other protocols. You, get, you can take it in any direction that you want of what you think the similar protocols to synthetics are, but I'm curious what you think on the biggest differentiators. Is it the type of assets that you can kind of allow on your platform? Maybe like speed, is it fees? Like, what would you say is the biggest difference between synthetics and other platforms around that area? Yeah, I mean, I can I can kind of take the initial part of this, but you know, I I always think that the the goals of synthetics and what it's attempting to do through this like liquidity provisioning and allowing like many products to be supported on top of this debt pool model is very different from any one particular protocol that people can think of, right? You know, people may look at you could think of like a DYDX or, you know, PERP or GMX, or maybe in the early days, you go to something like an UMA, right, from like a very long time ago. But really, it, none of these are, are really the right comparison because these, these protocols focus on, you know, one sort of derivative or like, you know, one sort of financial product. Where at Synthetics, Synthetics is this like backend infrastructure provider for liquidity and liquidity provisioning that you know, products are built on top of, you know, you can really start to look at that by the way of looking at the products that are built on synthetics. So if you look at something, I'm just going to start naming out the protocols, but you can look towards something like Quenta that allows, that integrates with synth assets for spot trading. And then it also integrates with perpetual futures for perps trading. Decentrix is another perps trading front end as well. You have someone like Lyra who integrates with spot assets to allow for options trading to occur. And then Polynomial supports option vaults and, and things of, of that nature. I think the, the key differentiator between synthetics and any of these protocols, if you had to compare them, is this like pooled collateral model 
so instead of you know having to focus on you know liquidity generation for for you know one of these products synthetics just has this like one you know large liquidity pool that you know all these different products can tap into you know at low fees and you know very deep liquidity and this generalized approach really helps when when spinning up new products because you're not constantly focused on you know generating large amounts of liquidity for one pair or doing you know some sort of liquidity mining for you know one new product instead you know you get to focus on you know helping to build these products with some of the integrators and so on and and you already have this this big liquidity pot that people can play with but if a thief wants to hop in with anything go for it yeah i was going to say a thief if you wanted to add anything there maybe you can even add details on like matt lightly touched upon it but the type of assets that you can trade on synthetics i know that like there's a blanket statement on like you can kind of trade anything right that as an oracle but yeah i guess like that pooled liquidity model really makes that possible but yeah if you have any extra thoughts there at least feel free to jump in but otherwise we can move on to like the next question yeah i mean i think matt covered it pretty well i mean i think like one interesting thing about synthetics like Ken used to say this all the time, like way back in the day, like when synthetics was still relatively new of like, he had these analogies of like, you know, synthetics is like protocol X, Y, and Z kind of mashed up into one. Right. And when you look at synthetics right now, like even now that's even more true than like kind of that it's ever, ever been right. Like you have like the actual SUSD issuance mechanism, which is kind of like die, you know, you can take it alone against ETH and SUSD. So it's kind of, you know, it has some components of maker, right? But then you go over and there's like this perps protocol, right? So it's similar to other perps protocols that have been tried, right? Like maybe like like GMX or Perpetual Protocol, one of the million perps protocols on chain, right? And then, but then we also have ways, you know, to collateralize the stable coin with, you know, with different derivatives or structured products, right? Like if you pair, like if you tokenize a basis trade, right? Spot ETH and perp ETH short. And so it's, so it's kind of like UXD and some of those other protocols that have tried that. So I would just say like, it's a super versatile protocol, like in terms of like all of the different things that can be done and combined in different ways. And it, it, it all centers around that, that staking mechanism that Matt was just describing, where you could basically like from the staking and LP side, you can construct any kind of, you know, exposure profile that you want in terms of combinations of different things. You know, that's where it's, where it's moving, obviously. And from the trader side, like you said, anything with an Oracle and kind of we'll get into V3 later, but the the kind of spirit that like is being fostered with V3 is like supporting experimentation as much as possible. So maybe not even necessarily just, you know, like vanilla, like plug in X access price feed, you know, and, and have a have a sense that tracks it, but maybe even other things like maybe you want to construct some other payoff structure or some other type of, you know, exotic option or something like that. And we can get into all of that later. But yeah, I think Matt said it pretty well. 100%. Cool. And Matt, you touched lightly upon the protocols that integrate synthetics. So can can one of you guys walk me through the, what is an integration with synthetics first to look like, right? So we're not talking about like, hey, let's create a curve pool with SUSD necessarily. We're talking about more of like a deeper integration. So maybe you can go lightly on what kind of protocols are already integrated on top of synthetics and what it really means and how it works with the system. Yeah, yeah, totally ha- happy to do it. I think the just just a like a broad statement to, you know, before we even start. I think an integration means different things to, you know, different integration partners and like how deep it goes. Right? So we we can probably explore that through like the protocols that that have integrated in some way. 
So for someone like Quenta, right? Quenta integrates with, you know, synthetic assets like SpotSense to allow people to, you know, trade, you know, spot, you know, SBTC to, you know, SETH, you know, with a set fee. And like, you know, that would be, you know, what that works like, what that is. And then they actually integrate with the synthetics like exchange contracts on the back end, right? Because synthetics has all this, you know, all these contracts and things already done in the background. And then they also have a perps trading interface where yet again, you know, as the people's kind of explaining like, you know, how perps works and, you know, how the data structure is and, you know, and so on and how all this is tracked, that's all done through synthetics contracts. So, you know, anyone is able to go and, you know, build a perpetual futures, you know, trading front end that just relies on the synthetics contracts in the background. Decentrix does something very similar. They're, they're also a perpetual futures trading front end as well. Yet again, tying into the, you know, the synthetics contracts in the back end, you know, coordinating with some of the CCs on the specifics of, you know, what that looks like. And yeah, I mean, this, this same sort of integration is, is like true for most of the products. I guess it depends on like the way that the protocol integrates. For someone like Lyra, for options, they, they tie directly into, you know, SpotSense to do so. But I know in the future they, they they plan to you know hedge their their options trading with perpetual futures because of the capital efficiency side of things, and polynomial ties into Lyra to then enable like these sort of like structured options and these like automated vaults to occur. So if you wanted to like automate covered calls being sold all the time, you know, polynomial could do that. But what what is very interesting is that someone like polynomial or someone like Lyra and so on could always come in and build a new product, which is something that, you know, is expected from like the, from like the Lyra side, or rather, rather from like polynomial side, where they may build, you know, basis trading vaults on top of, you know, synthetics perps as well. Now that, that is more of an explainer of like what protocols build on top of synthetics, but, but the actual ability to build on synthetics isn't, you know, isn't gated by anyone or, or, you know, governance or, or anything along those lines. If you just build a front end that ties into, you know, synthetics contracts, you know, fully open source, fully on chain, you can go and do that. And there is nothing that, you know, you know, like that product would just exist into the world and, you know, it would just tie into synthetics liquidity in some way. You know, there, there are, you know, incentives for developers and, you know, there are definitely like programs that have been, you know, set up to like reward, you know, the volume generation. But at its core, there's like no gatekeepers or, you know, any, anything to that side of things. But Afif, did, did you have anything on the on the integration side that, that you want to touch on? I think you got them all pretty, pretty well. Awesome. I just want to interject real quick because I think what I'm hearing, and, and this is a, a very powerful, what, what this opens, this opens up a lot of doors. What I'm hearing is that Synthetics is basically providing the DeFi plumbing and infrastructure that anybody can then come in and build on top of, whether that be with options or, or perpetual futures or what have you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's and it's true now, you know, like how the system works in, you know, like where synthetics is at right now. And we'll talk about it, you know, more as V3 comes up later on in the call, but it but, but it becomes even more true and even easier to interact with this like, you know, dirty plumbing that that, that synthetics helps to handle for you. So yeah, hundred percent. That's a that's a great way of looking at it. Very well said, guys. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. So we talked a bit about the history of synthetics, how the protocol works, the, me the mechanism, and even the details of the integrations. 
But maybe in like your guys' own words, in simple terms, what would you say the long-term goal for synthetics is? It could be something very simple, but yeah, what do you guys think the long-term goal for synthetics is dating back to maybe when you guys started? Yeah, I would say like the the long-term goal is kind of, so the current version of synthetics is, is it's called V2. It's the number is not important, but basically in V2, it, it, we've kind of like the, the, the protocol has shown like the different types of things you could, you could do, you know, with synthetic assets and, and on-chain derivatives that, that, that are useful, but it's kind of in a, in a relatively constrained design space. And so the goal of, of V3, which I think is very much in line with the long-term goals of the protocol is to create something that is like a very effective and safe permissionless you know space for experimentation within the you know within the within this vertical of like DeFi derivatives and then use that to kind of grow a community around around it of people who want to come and experiment with these things and people who want to try you know new products developed by other people all in like a purely permissionless and you know decentralized way so i would say that's probably like the main goal like short-term goal is like build v3 test it grow it, expand it, showcase what it can do. And then hopefully, you know, long-term that kind of grows the community even more. And you have more and more people who want to come in and, and try new things. And like it kind of, you know, flywheels from there. But Matt also probably has some pretty good takes on, on that also. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think Afif explains it really well. I always like to say when I'm, when I'm answering questions like this, I think the biggest thing that, that we always like to keep in mind is that, you know, because synthetics is so decentralized and the community and, you know, the, the governance structures that have been set up, like decide on the direct goals and like what is actually being iterated on and all that, that like, even as CCs, like even as a thief explains those goals, like, yeah, the community rallies behind them and the Spartan council has voted on them, but you know, the, the details of how you get to those goals can always shift through governance, right? Like governance can always vote to, you know, do X, Y, or Z. You see that when you're, when, when you're building out the actual, like, you know, perpetual futures side of the protocol and the, you know, the Spartan council kind of debating, you know, particular things about the mechanism and, and so on. But yeah, to, to, to the actual, like, what is the long-term goal? I, I totally echo the things that, you know, a says, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, short-term you, you, you've got, you know, promoting perpetual futures as an offering as of right now. And then there's, you know, helping to promote the ecosystem of projects that have currently built on synthetics. But, you know, as V3 releases, you know, that that becomes even more so important because, you, you know, you're going to have many protocols building on top of, you know, synthetics liquidity and, and, and using the, the infrastructure that, you know, synthetics has spent years iterating on to build. So, yeah, totally echo the things that Afifa said. Yeah, no, I love that, actually. Like, when I think about synthetics, I think about, hey, let's create a platform that can allow pretty much users to trade any synthetic assets that track the value of real-world assets, right? So it's really, like, changed in form of, like, because of decentralization, it's really the community that governs the direction and the vision, almost, of the protocol. So I love I love that answer a lot. Switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about optimism and Layer 2 as the choice of the current future of, like, synthetics. You guys originated from Ethereum L1, and you guys were pretty much solidified as one of like, I guess, like what people would call DeFi money, like goes or blue chips, whatever you want to call it. Talk to me a little bit about the decision to move towards layer two and what motivated it and why you guys did it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that the biggest thing about moving, you know, it's optimism and, you know, layer twos as a whole is that, you know, being on Ethereum layer one, especially during the days of like super high gas fees and, you know, so on and so forth, it just makes the protocol of synthetics just like, you know, not really usable for day-to-day people. Like, and, and that's even saying that within the structure of what synthetics was when it was still on Ethereum L1. Because when Synthetics was on Ethereum L1, it was really just a spot exchanging protocol, and you had stakers, you know, that that, that would receive the you know the fees and inflation at that time. But you know, there was there wasn't even the possibility for Synthetics to to support the products that it does now on you know on Ethereum L2 with this like you know super low gas fees and this like pretty much instant execution. There's no way that you would be able to support perpetual futures trading you know, options trading, options vaults, and, you know, all these different, you know, things that are being built on top of synthetics, you just, you just can't do that on L1. The, the fees are too high. You, you just can't properly pull the data as quickly as you need it to support these like high frequency, these like high frequency financial products. And really the, the decision is, is like heavily rooted in the fact that, you know, moving to these L2s is like really important. For synthetics and it, it really helps it build out its build out its ecosystem and you know properly you know build on this vision of synthetics v3 and supporting many protocols and being this you know liquidity provisioning tool and obviously i i think the the big one from myself and probably and shared with many members of the synthetics community is that you know optimism has this has these these like long-term goals to like be very decentralized and you know their governance structures you know are empowered and you know these things are are very near and dear to you know to synthetics in this community as well so these like you know these plans to you know build scaling solutions on ethereum is important you know these are sort of the the feelings that that a lot of the folks within the synthetics community also share but i think that's that could be thought of as like a secondary thing to to like building the product and then you know you you still want to be on this this very decentralized layer 2 scaling solution as well 100% and many many people may not actually know this but synthetics was actually one of the i would even say like the original partners of optimism Right. Like we almost started and catered some of our design to make sure that the synthetics protocol worked. We worked very closely to the team. Kevin Ho, one of the original members of Optimism, used to always say that he'd stay up till like 5 a.m. working with Clem from the synthetics team to make sure that this product worked perfectly on layer two. So, yeah, there's been a lot of history between the two parties. So I'm glad to see that you guys are launching such huge upgrades now. So, brief personal anecdote synthetics was actually the reason I first tried Optimism. I remember when synthetics moved to move to optimism. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah, no, synthetics, synthetics is pretty much the day one for most optimism folks. Yeah, just to ju- just to go even further, like I, you know, I think the the onboarding experience to a layer two and, and especially optimism is so much better than to onboarding users directly onto Ethereum L1. Right? You know, if if you tell a user they have to pay these, like you know, at, at the time because <laughs> it's, a, it's a long time ago that, that that gas fees were like super super expensive. But if you had to tell users like, hey, if you want to do anything within the Synthetics ecosystem, you know, you're going to pay potentially an arm and a leg. You know, it's it's very difficult to to onboard you know regular everyday users who want exposure to DeFi, 
but you know, aren't going to spend, let's just say 10%, 20% of their, you know, of their trade just in gas fees, you know, and, and Optimism really helps with, with that onboarding experience, both in, you know, users, developers, and, you know, and so on. Like there's, there's so many avenues that are, you know, fantastic with, with the Optimism side of things. Awesome. And now we're going to get into the large update. I guess this is sort of like why we're all here t- today as well with the Perps V2 release. So we'll go into the details of what like Perps V2 means. Perps V2 obviously means that there's a Perps V1. So we'll talk about the history with V1 as well versus V2. But maybe just really quickly, could you talk about what are perpetual futures and what what do traders use them for today? Yeah, so perpetual futures, I guess, are something that are like a flavor of some TradFi instruments that were kind of popularized in a more crypto-native way, you know, a, a BitMEX back in the day. And essentially what a perpetual future or perp is, is that it's a way of like kind of like creating these synthetic, you know, assets that can be loaned or shorted, right? So normally, like if you want to short something, people go and do margin trading, right? So if I want to short ETH, I go and I borrow ETH and then I sell it on the market, and then if it goes down, I buy it back for a lower price and return the ETH that I that I borrowed, right? Um, but what perps do is they basically kind of just recreate this process, but they they allow people to kind of create fake tokens or assets that can be you know they're, they're synthetic that can be loaned and sold by another person on the other side of the trade, basically, right? And I think they they've been popular they've been so popular in crypto mostly because of like the simplicity, like they're they're and the and the consolidation of liquidity that they let you have and i know that's like kind of a little bit wordy but basically it's like you know with traditional futures you have a bunch of expiries all the time and you always have to roll and in crypto like there's not necessarily a need to trade specific expiries right there's not necessarily like there's no earnings reports there's no because kind of crypto has always kind of existed in this silo of you know away from the rest of the world where you really just want a perpetual instrument to trade all the time and then all the liquidity basically is consolidated into that one instrument so i think that's why they've been able they've become so popular and then obviously like you know with leverage you know you could run really highly capital efficient strategies or you know different hedges or or whatever and i think that's part of the the utility that comes from perps for for traders and market makers and stuff what would you say is the main benefit of of futures like why why would people choose to trade futures instead of say spot i mean i think for like those the like so first there's the obvious retail like speculation right but like that's not necessarily like a i would say a powerful use case i think the most powerful use case usually comes from hedging and and certain you know risk management strategies and it's kind of just like a more capital efficient way to pass risk from one person to another right like so traditional like you know really you know, many centuries ago, futures is basically just like, you know, I'm a commodities producer and I want to lock in my sale price. So I sign a contract for you to buy it at, you know, some specific price at some date in the future after I've had my harvest or whatever, right? So that's traditionally what they're for. And then you add, add speculators and liquidity providers into the market that make it a more functioning, you know, liquid market. So they're speculating on where the price will go in the future. And this kind of Ultimately, it still benefits, you know, the primary end user, I would say, you know, which is the the producer of the commodity. But like, so that, that's traditionally what they're for. In crypto, they they still have that, that same use case, right? Like, for instance, like somebody who is staking ETH, um, you know, who, who maybe who has been staking since the beacon chain or something, 
if at some point they're like, okay, I actually, I can't take this directional price risk anymore, uh, but I don't have my ETH, like if you could take some cash and you could collateralize a perp's position to kind of manage your risk a little bit, right? Or if you're like a liquidity provider or a market maker who's taken on a large position as a result of you know some trade flow, like you could use the perpetual futures market to kind of, to, again, to offset your exposure. So a lot of the, yeah, so I think a lot of like the really powerful use cases are centered around risk management, I would say. Yeah. And, and I, I think like for me, what a, heap, a helpful example was, was my direct manager used to always say that like perpetual futures are just futures contracts that don't have expiry, right? You can trade quarterlies in crypto if you really wanted to. And it's just extremely simple, right? To be able to long and short and not have to worry about, hey, like, is the price going to make sense? There's like these complicated mechanisms, usually when you're trading options and other types of derivatives. So yeah, the simplicity has really taken off. And the volume that perps just funnel in crypto in general, like it's it's basically been so dominant for such a long time now. So yeah, no, I, I love the mechanism in general. I wanted to talk about perps v2 now and what it will change for the perps space. So walk us through what perps v2 is first, maybe how it differs from the v1. Yeah, what what do you think it'll bring to synthetics and maybe just like the space in general? Sure. Yeah. So. So yeah, so V1 actually has some history that dates back quite a while. I think at the first time I read about, you know, the what we call perps V1 now was like it was a while ago. It was when there weren't really any on-chain perps protocols, and like Synthetics was aiming, you know, trying to be one of the first. This was before I was even a, a contributor to the protocol, just a fan at the time. But it was kind of first that the first protocol that would say like let's use this different model to make an instrument that's really similar to. to perpetual futures but in a different way that works on chain so so what does that mean so normally like if you trade perps there's this thing that like is basically exchange between traders called the funding rate and this is just basic background for any users who aren't familiar and the base like the 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 core like function of what funding rates are for is they basically enforce you know alignment of the perps market price and the spot market price right so if the perps market is trading at a massive premium then traders on one side, you know, on the long side, they have to make a payment to traders on the short side. So basically what that does is it makes sure that the perps market price is aligned to the spot market price all the time. But with synthetics, like historically going all the way back to the early days, like exchanges are always happening at a fixed price at the Oracle price, which is the spot market price. So exchanges are already happening at the spot market price by default. It's enforced by the contract and the Oracle and Chainlink and whatever. So what does the funding rate do in synthetics perps? It's instead, it's a risk management tool for the people who are backing these markets. So the, I don't know if this is if this was the first, but it was the first time I read it. I think there was other protocols doing it at the time, but synthetics was like very early on this idea of like, let's have a skew funding rate instead of like a price premium funding rate because we're doing these exchanges at, the, at an Oracle price. I'm sure there was probably others doing it at the same time. But that's basically what V1 was. It was, let's allow an exchange of any size at an Oracle price. And then let's have this funding rate that's kind of proportional to the imbalance in the market. So if there's more longs than shorts, longs pay shorts. And if there's more shorts than longs, shorts pay longs. Let's have this skew-based funding rate to kind of manage risk for the people who are who kind of have the exposure to this market, right? Because if there's more longs than shorts, right, then the longs are earning profit basically if they make profit from the people who are backing the market. So the staker is basically always at the counterparty to the difference between the longs and shorts. 
when longs and shorts are totally balanced, then the stakers don't have any risk because the profit on one side comes from the loss of the other. So that's basically V1. And then did you want me to jump into like what V2 kind of brings and what problems it's trying to solve from the V1 kind of thing? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I guess like just so that the listeners understand, when we talk about like the counterparty backing the protocol and whatnot and like where the funding goes and all this kind of stuff, everything once again revolves around that dead pull, right? Because DeFi is very different than centralized exchanges and how they operate their liquidity. So it's really interesting, like how this all came together and became like a really fluid place to trade derivatives or any asset in the space that tracks spot prices, right? So yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention that. Why don't you go into like Purpose V2 as well so that we can understand like what kind of large upgrades came out of it? Like wh- why is it so so much better than like what Purpose V1 offered? Sure, yeah. So so I, I would say that like a good way to think, a good mental model for these is that like, the, like I mentioned before, like the contract just has some logic and then it passes basically the risk onto users who are exposed to like what that contract does. And so I would say Perps V2 like has kind of like two main themes around risk management that basically make the product, the, the contract able to offer positions in a much more efficient and safe way. And so like, because it's much less risky, it can be scaled up a lot more. Um, So it's much more capital efficient for stakers, right? So if you could have the same amount of collateral backing the contract, but in V2, it can support 10 or 50 times more open interest. It's going to generate a lot more fees and, and then revenue for the people who are backing it. So it's a much more attractive thing to, you know, to back. And then there's some other changes that are kind of just really centered around user experience. And I think like the user experience in V2 is also going to be like orders of magnitude better than V1. So just jumping into what those are at a high level. Um, the, the first on the on the user experience side is just kind of we've, we've kind of rethought how we think about using oracles for this specific application. So historically, synthetics has always been, you know, there's an oracle price, I come to trade, the contract says, here's a trade, it's at the Oracle price, and then you leave. The issue with that is like, it can't be done instantaneously. And a a trader will always have a latency edge over an Oracle. And because traders will always have that advantage, like it's not really practical for the LPs on the other side who have to take the side. So you really select kind of for this, there's this adverse selection for our traders who are always making money at the LPs expense. And historically, the way that Synthetics has solved this problem and the way it, it is on L1 is that there's basically a delay between the time you start the trade and the time you actually settle the trade that kind of is meant to to offset the the latency of whatever your price source is, right? So on L1, like it can be pretty long, right? Because gas can gas markets can get pretty congested and it can be difficult to get a you know a fresh price on chain. And even then sometimes like if the price is moving really fast, you need several price updates, right? So the, the the settlement time on L1 is six minutes. So it's pretty long, right? Because so, so that this is another reason why layer two, right? Because a lot of these things just aren't really practical uh, on the Ethereum L1, and that's why there aren't really any any perpetual futures protocols on on, on the Ethereum L1. So anyway, so the thing the the way that we're approaching this now with Purpose V2 is to basically have these oracles that are pushing prices off chain continuously. And when you push them off chain, you could push very high, you know, high resolution, quick granular price updates, you know, can be like on the order of every second. 
And then basically when the user wants to trade, they just pull this data from off-chain and it's it has it's signed by all of the, you know, all the nodes, same way it would be on-chain and it has a timestamp. And then they just pass it to a contract on-chain that checks that, you know, this is a fresh price uh, or it's, you know, within the accepted time window and it has all the relevant signatures and, you know, it's valid, this isn't a fake price update. And so boom, you get the trade, right? So what this does is it lets you, it lets you basically trade with like very, very high accuracy, low latency oracles. And what, what, what this translates to for users is better user experience and low fees. So, so I would say that's probably the, the biggest UX difference from V1 to V2. And it does, you know, it doesn't rely on any centralized infrastructure, which is like a, you know, core moral, like in the synthetics community. And then in terms of risk management, there's two new things. One is basically just like a way of kind of like simulating what an order book would do in terms of price impact or like, you know, an AMM. So like you basically are fading large orders where a large order will, you know, move the, move the, the price relative to the Oracle price by some amount. And there's a lot of like kind of tedious math about why that works, but it's basically just this curve and you're moving the price along some premium or discount relative to the Oracle. And this basically is like a way of leaning against, you know, Oracle manipulation attacks that we've seen in on and on other protocols as well as with synthetics in the past. The first one was with, I think, S-Maker back in 2019. That was the first time I saw it. Somebody was basically longing and then pushing the price of Maker and then selling and then doing a rinse and repeat, right? So that kind of leans against that sort of thing. And then the other thing, which is probably like the least well understood, but like, and we're still even under, trying to figure out like the things that we could do with, with the result of it is basically this sort of different funding rate model that is basically like a, like a Dutch auction for positions that is probably like maybe a, an interesting way to think about it. Whereas in, in V1, you basically have a funding rate. So if somebody takes like a position of X size, the funding rate is always going to be proportional to X and then it just doesn't change. In V2, basically, if somebody takes that same position, the protocol basically starts auctioning off that position, not auctioning it off, but auctioning it off by raising the funding rate. So it raises the funding rate higher and higher and higher and higher until you have somebody who comes in and basically takes the other side. So I, I kind of, and I'm thinking about it a little bit more recently, I kind of started thinking like this kind of is like a Dutch auction for funding rates where you're kind of just stepping the funding rate progressively higher or lower, you know, depending on the direction of the trade until you are able to, you know, incentivize another position to take the other side. And it may not seem particularly powerful on its own when you think about, you know, simple markets like, you know, like like ETH or, or BTC perps or something. But I think where you might actually start to notice all the interesting th things it could do is where you have more exotic markets down the line, which, you know, might require a more kind of creative funding rate model that doesn't pass any risk on to the liquidity providers. So I know that was really long-winded, but that's kind of like, that's the gist of why Perps V2, I think, will be pretty useful. Uh, yeah, I think that was great. There's a lot of information here, once again. So maybe at the end, we'll give details on where they can find details or like more information on it. So don't worry about it too much today. I wanted to quickly flag that there are two front-ends or protocols that you can utilize today to harness the power of Perps V2. So it's Quinta and Decentrix. Definitely go check them out. Decentrix, a, a bit of a newer protocol that's released recently. But yes, we will shout out some information so that people can understand the full scope of V2 versus V1 and what the large changes were. Cool. Matt, do you have anything extra to say on this end? Yeah, I, I was just going to add something very quick. If you guys want to learn a little bit more about Perf V2 and to you know see some some graphical you know explainers of kind of what Afif is saying, Optimism 
pinned a tweet that you should see uh, right in the Twitter space window as well. So you can kind of, you know, take a look at a little bit of a, a, a of a easy to digest explainer about Perf V2. And then you can go a little bit deeper on the blog post and, you know, and join the Discord and chat about it as well. Perfect. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Sweet. I wanted to move to the next large upgrade that's kind of happening soon. Synthetics V3, right? So people call this like the WordPress of derivatives. But I guess it's a little bit tough to grasp. Maybe like things that are very general or modular are always kind of tough to grasp in your mind without examples. So walk us through what Synthetics V3 is roughly, kind of what it does, right? Like we, we talk about like modular open source code. But yeah, what would you say Synthetics V3 is in a nutshell? Yeah, I would say that like in a nutshell, I would take everything that I've explained about how V2 works right now and modularize it. So I know that doesn't really explain it too much, but it's basically like a way of creating, you know, autonomous contracts that have some pre-programmed logic and that logic can be adapted to basically, you know, create any kind of financial instrument. And then you basically have this, you know, credit-based mechanism of linking, you know, people to make, you know, to maintain the solvency of those contracts, right? So like, if the contracts are, you know, net creating money for, for, for traders, then like that has to, that has to come from somewhere. And it's basically coming from, you know, collateral that's staked to it. So if I stake ETH to a purpose market, and you know, purpose market makes money, well, that's great. You know, now I've transferred, you know, I've transferred money from the users in the form of fees, mostly fees, let's say, to to the stakers through this credit-based mechanism, which I think is novel and interesting and a lot, a lot more, it's a very capital efficient way to do it, right? Because like I can take ETH that I have and I can indirectly use it to to provide liquidity and earn yield on it from you know any combination of a bunch that I want of a bunch of different markets or instruments, you know, in exchange for the risk I'm taking, obviously, in underwriting these markets. So if I had to put it in one phrase, I would say like it's a generalized credit-based derivatives liquidity protocol which is like a lot of like you know mustardy jargon but like that's probably the best way to describe it yeah and and we'll we'll, go ahead mac i was just gonna say i saw a great description of it on the synthetics twitter by adam cochran shout out to adam cochran and he basically called it the wordpress of derivatives and for people who don't know wordpress is a it's basically what most of the websites on the internet are made from. So again, getting back to this theme of this DeFi infrastructure. So I don't know if you guys would agree with that description, but I found that to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Like we love that description and like that is a really good way to think about it for, yeah, for for people who are familiar with WordPress. Yeah, I know we've got a couple competing community, you know, views on what that should be. Should it be the Shopify, you know, of derivatives? Should it be the WordPress? You know, there's there's always a little bit of fun community chatter on on that side of things. A hundred percent. And maybe we can even let the audience decide based on like what it unlocks. So if you had to just quickly touch on what does it mean for like users as a group and what does it mean for developers, right? So I think it means completely different things for both parties, but yeah, just walk us through like what you think. Yeah, I would, I, I would just quickly come in and say there's, as you said, there's like these two groups of stakeholders that are like, you know, impacted by this, by Synthetix B3 in, in, in very different ways. On the developer side, it kind of requires a little bit of context as to how the system works right now. So pretty much like 
some of the products that you know synthetics has built up to this point like let's say perpetual futures right like that has to go through the governance process to actually like exist and to like receive liquidity from this one large pool of liquidity now how that changes in the future with synthetics v3 and this like phased rollout and so on is that people are are going to be able to build market logic and market logic in this case is like the logic behind you know how spot assets are priced or how petrol futures are priced or so on and so forth people are able to build this logic themselves then go a step further they're able to say hey we want to support you know x asset within this logic so we want to be able to support i'm going to say an example we want to be able to support ethereum within the perpetual futures you know market trading logic and then they can say okay now i'm going to incentivize people with my new protocol token or just with you know of a very favorable fee share of the you know of the trading fees that that go on within this market see the key difference here is that i i, I didn't mention anything about synthetic governance because synthetics governance isn't necessary in this synthetics v3 system to actually have these new markets blossom and grow and you know and, and be created and so on right people can come in and create these markets by themselves incentivize liquidity growth you know within their market by themselves and so on now what that opens up for stakers is stakers have this deeper level of control of their liquidity and they're you know and, and this collateral right because right now how the system works is when you stake your you know your debt is exposed to the entire debt pool and all the things within that debt pool in the future you you could still be exposed to like this you know like a spartan council you know fund which you know is is thought of as this like v2x style you know debt pool that you know tries to promote liquidity you know in in, in various products but if you don't want to do that, and maybe you just want to be exposed to perpetual futures, you can. Like you can decide your level, or like you know where your debt is actually being placed within the system, and that's very important, right? It it, it kind of allows you to bring in users that might not want to be exposed to you know every new asset or every new product, and then it, it and then it lets these you know developers and products and protocols and everything build without having to go through the governance process to change parameters and change logic and so on. That's a very like kind of broad strokes, you know, vision of it all. But yeah, uh, Afif, do you have anything there that you want to, you want to toss in? No, I think you covered it all pretty well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, that was really great. And we will probably have like information regarding synthetics V3 as well. Uh, I mean, you guys are going to be talking about it as you get closer to your guys' uh, launch for it. But I always found it really fascinating that there are always these really, really intricate concepts in DeFi and the space in general, but the developers really need to figure out how to kind of come together with the idea, right? So like education is tough, right? So I spoke to a couple of people and when we, whenever you speak to like new devs that are really eager to build in the space, it's not like everybody kind of knows all these high level concepts of like, okay, I know convex optimization, or I know exactly how derivatives operate on chain. So how do you guys plan to do some of that educating so that developers understand how to contribute on top of the synthetic stack? And I think you guys have done it well, but what sort of worked for you guys and what can people learn from that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say within the synthetics V3 system, 
just to like just to start off with, the system becomes uh, I'm going to say like a lot easier to understand. And you know, as a few said in the beginning of this call, the you know the standards of DeFi that are standards now that weren't standards when Synthetics was built are adopted, and that, and 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 that side really helps the developer experience. But going further in terms of like developer education and so on, I you know I, I know there's been a lot of work that's been done from you know Noah and you know other members of the core contributors to build out this like really expansive technical docs on integrating with synthetics and and that side of things but i know there's you know ccs and community members that are talking about you know potentially doing things like hackathons and you know incentivize building of you know markets within v3 and you know you know incentivized you know building of uh, new assets and market logic and so on right so you know there's these many possibilities and then the next side of it comes in with you know, incentives. And I, I know that's something the Synthetics community is, is discussing even right now. I mean, if you went into some of the governance channels, you would see people chatting about like, hey, we should potentially add on, you know, maybe a basis point onto certain trades and distribute that to, you know, the developers that are, you know, integrating with Synthetics to, you know, incentivize them long term. And I think there's a lot of, you know, you, you could probably say like competing visions or like, you know, ways to actually incentivize them. But the educational side, yeah, there's a ton of thoughts there. Not really a ton of info that that has been put out yet, as it's still you know being drawn out in, in how that will be released. But yeah, I mean, up to now, it's I mean, it's worked pretty good in terms of coordinating with you know developers and you know you know setting up these sorts of basic incentive structures to to keep them around and to keep them supported and help with marketing and you know, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, kind of like a, yet again, like a little bit of a broad vision, you know, from myself on, on this developer education side of things. But there's a, there's a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas and, you know, these ideas will, will definitely be executed on in due time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I guess like for the developers out there, if you guys feel daunted by ideas that you want to build, the beauty of DeFi and crypto in general is that most of these communities are online. They're on Discord. You can chat with the team. You can chat with the community. So definitely go check them out, see if there's any ideas that they're looking for people to build. And a lot of that guidance can come directly from the team or contributors of the protocol. So yeah, I wanted to end with a quick maybe look or alpha leak into the future of synthetics. We're at about time right now, but if you guys had to maybe say a couple of things about the future roadmap about synthetics, I know we talked about V3. Is there anything that you could leave the audience with? I mean, I would just say, like, you know, keep an eye, like, a, par- a big part of B3 is, like, building a tool that is kind of, like, hyper-efficient at, you know, organizing a community. And so, like, I, I would say, you know, stop by the Synthetics Discord, join the conversation around B3. It's a really exciting time to participate in the governance and the direction of the protocol. And then once B3 is out there itself, you know, it's kind of a really excited, exciting time to have, you know complex incentive structures that you know that get people to come in and, and experiment and try different things and that are you know i think very aligned with the ethos of DeFi, and it's just a really it's a really great you know community to participate in and so like I, i'll just this is my plug for the community yeah yeah i would i i would definitely echo the things that that if he says anything that you could think of as like alpha we've you know we've definitely like discussed because it's so out the open with the community and people discuss it you know, so openly, you know, within the next discord and, you know, on Twitter and so on. 
so yeah, I would I would highly recommend that that people join the conversation on Discord. You know, the the visions of the community directly shape the way that 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 the protocol will move into the future. And you know, that's that's one of the most you know important parts of DeFi. I I would also take this time to 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 plug some of the the integrators that that rely on synthetic liquidity. And I would I I would tell everyone to to check those out as well. You know, they're doing amazing things on Optimism. You know, and they're empowering this, you know, this this really decentralized trader that is that is super important. So, yeah, I would I would highly recommend checking out, you know, the likes of, you know, Quenta for you know spot and futures trading, you know, Decentrix for you know futures trading as well, Lyra for options, Polynomial for you know automated option vaults, you know, and there's and there's a lot more uh, you know protocols that have either spun out of synthetics or you know are part of this like what we like to refer to as this greater synthetics ecosystem. I would just do a quick plug for them as well. I would, you know, I would check out the the whole synthetic ecosystem. There's a lot to learn, but it's you know very interesting, very rewarding. Yeah, hundred percent. There you have it. The alpha leak is that all the information is free and transparent. So if you definitely go check out their communities. You can pretty <laughs> much gain information into anything. So yeah, I had a great time talking with you guys today. I'm gonna let Matt take it away and just kind of give closing thoughts. But yeah, awesome conversation, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Smith. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I just wanted to reiterate what Smith said earlier, which is that there is a lot to sink your teeth in here. I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface. So if this interests you at all, you know, check out Synthetics and their various channels. I think a good entry point would probably be the Twitter, Synthetics underscore IO. That's S-Y-N-T-H-E-T-I-X underscore IO. Or Synthetics, is it Synthetics.io is also the website. So I think those would be good entry points. And as Matt, I believe, mentioned Discord as well. I know that you have a very active community on Discord. Is there anywhere anywhere else you'd like to direct the listeners? That's that's definitely where I'd where I'd direct the listeners at first. On Discord, I, I always tell people to check out like the Start Here channel, which kind of describes, you know, kinda kinda gives you like some really helpful links. The synthetics bio also has a a link tree that you can check out for some of those helpful links as well. The bio on Twitter. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of places to find information. And if you're confused at all on even where to find that information, you can definitely head to the Discord and, you know, ask questions there or, you know, even add us on Twitter. I'm, you know, I'm very active on Twitter and I'll 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 definitely make sure to respond. Awesome. Yeah. And this episode will be available for replay on Twitter for a month. And then it'll also be uploaded to your favorite podcasting platforms of choice. We just got the first 12 episodes of OP Radio uploaded. So they're available to listen on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google. So watch out for that as well. Cool, guys. I, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much, Smith, for leading this conversation. And thank you, Matt and Afif, for joining us. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll see you all on the internet. Stay optimistic, everybody. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Awesome, guys. You have a good one. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye.